Hello, and thank you for checking out our FPC Conversations podcast. I'm Josh Gillespie, and I work at First Press Fresno as the Minister of City Engagement and Modern Worship. If you're checking us out for the first time, the theme of the FPC Conversations podcast is to hear how God is working in the lives of the FPC community through the ups and downs of everyday life. We also hope you learn more about each of our guests' faith journey. Today's episode is a conversation between Dan Kimball and Doug Durbin. Doug and his family have been a part of the First Press community for many years. Doug grew up participating in the First Press youth programs and is now a part of the church as a young married adult, working as an elementary school teacher in the community. Doug shares his heart through an honest perspective of questioning his career call, teaching during the pandemic, and seeking God in his work-life balance. We hope you enjoy getting to know Doug in today's conversation. Well, welcome to our FPC Conversations podcast. My name is Dan Kimball, and it's uh, my pleasure and and privilege to to lead this morning's conversation. And I'm super excited because this morning we have Doug Durbin. Welcome, Doug. Yeah, thank you. Doug is a um, fairly longtime part yeah. of the FPC family, and mm-hmm. he'll tell he'll tell you a little bit more about that. But kind of really interested in Doug's story because professionally, Doug is a teacher. So we're going to talk about teaching a little bit and just sort of the. Um, challenges of that awesome profession, um, profession, but also um, Doug has um, just um, got a real heart for um, for the church and for the Lord, and just really excited to get to know him a little bit. So thanks, Doug, for agreeing to to chat with us a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to join today. Yeah, so Doug, just kind of to start off with, for folks that are listening to our podcast, yeah, uh, maybe just kind of give us a little bit more about your own personal faith journey and. And your connection to, to FPC. Yeah, so uh, I have been a lifetime uh, attendee here at First Press, other than the four years I went away to Arizona for school. Um, my parents brought me here from legitimately when I was born to um, here I am now, 27, married wife and expecting my first kid. Awesome. Um, here still uh, and made so many great friends. Um and have been challenged greatly um, by many different people here at this church uh, in, in various ways, professionally and spiritually. And it's just been a great place for me. Um, for me personally, my, my faith journey is kind of a, you know, in youth group, they always talk about making your faith your own. And that was something that I really struggled with for a very long time. Uh, I wouldn't say it was until after I got back to col- or from college and I started dating Kayleen. Um, we started dating our, my junior year of college. Like I think we, it was December 31, 2015 when we got together. So, um, you know, in my head I was like, if I want to be the man that she needs me and that um, I know her family expects of someone who would like to be with her, uh, I need to get right with my spiritual walk. I need to make that a priority again, um, because in college I just walked away. I, mm. you know, I told everyone at home I did. I was going to church or doing something just to get them off my back. But in all honesty, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I, I just wanted to be myself, um, you know. And that, and that was a challenge. I mean, I look back at college now and I, I just think like, what, what could be different if 
I had made that such a bigger priority because college was tough. I I mean, I went to what, what school? Yeah, I went to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, absolutely beautiful place. Love seeing the snow on the mountain peaks right next to us as I'm like biking into the campus. There's so many hills uh, in that campus, and so I'd I'd come up a hill to North Campus and just beautiful shot of Mount Humphreys every time in the winter with snow peak. And, you know, being there, it, it was a challenge. I was the only kid from Fresno. I knew absolutely no one going there. Um, I, the whole, only reason I went there was because I graduated high school in 2013. And that's when uh, Fresno State and UCs were having all those massive uh, class issues where oh. there was no, no chance you could graduating four years, maybe taking five, six, just because there are budget cuts. There's uh, too many, too much enrollment, what, whatever have you. So would you say you chose that you chose Arizona, Northern Arizona yeah. for, um, for because of the impact or was there? I, was I, it- I think so. Part of me was uh, I was wanting to get out and figure out what it's like to live on my own. And from that side of it, I think it was really beneficial to me because I learned a lot of life skills that helped me now living with my wife and, and having our home. Mm. But on the other side of it, it was very isolating. Um, my freshman year, I, I there were moments that I I wanted to give up and I mm. wanted to just quit and and come home because I, I, I couldn't make friends. I wasn't having a great time. Um, I wasn't adjusting very well. I didn't have a church group or a, a prayer group that all that I was going to 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 help build me up in any way. I was just, I got Whereas this. Whereas here, yeah. you growing up, you were pretty involved yeah. in the junior high and high school. Yeah, I, I would say and... I would say so. Yeah, I was very, very frequent on Sundays um, almost every week. And even with sports growing up, my parents always made it a fact uh, that you go to church. Church is more important than your sports. Mm. It's more important than other things. Like sure, you adhere off there's where you're at a tournament or something. Um, I played tennis in high school. Okay. So sometimes I have a tennis tournament doing something. Yeah. Okay. We're out of town on Sunday, but if you're in town, you're you're gonna go to church, um, and it was important to that, and I and I appreciated that. Um, but at the same time, I also wanted to fight back against that. Mm. Um, it's like every Sunday I have to wake up and go do this church thing. Like, let me watch football. Let's be real. I, I mean, I, I'd rather watch the 49ers yeah. and at that time stink uh, than, you know, go to church. Yeah. Uh, and so that was a struggle for me. Um, Would you say there was a, a, t- a moment you remember where, <clears throat> where you made that kind of personal commitment or do you feel like you... You know, it, it really was, um, I, I would say, gosh, a couple months into dating Kayleen, like probably February or March, um, three months, two, three months after we started dating, I was just like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I, I can't act the way I'm acting here. And then she's back in Fresno thinking I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's, that's not, that's not fair to her. It's not fair to me. And it's, it's just going to end up screwing me over. And so that just made a, a big change in me. And so, um, you know, I was, walking through campus one day and an old uh, friend from another class walked by and was like, hey, I have this uh, little church group. It's nothing major. Just, you want to come? 
randomly out of the blue. It wasn't trying to seek him out, wasn't doing anything. You were in college. Yeah, college still. So still at Arizona. And he he just says, let's come to the business building. Uh, We do Fridays at at 5 o'clock. That w- and he's like, that way you can still do whatever you want to do after, but come to this. And I was like, I need that. Mm. I needed a shove. And, you know, that looking back, that's God saving, saying, hey, here's your shove. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kayleen, your wife, yeah. also grew up here at First Press. Yeah. So you kind of consider it a... A first press couple a little bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she started attending, I believe it was fourth grade. Um, I was that sappy little kid who hid under the table uh, because I thought she was so cute the first time I saw her walk (laughs) into Sunday school. Uh, And that was, you know, uh, a trip um, to to have that happen. Um, At the time, Stephen Goodale and I, he and I are still to this day best friends. Um, He grew up here as well. And... uh, you know, he and I both, I was like, Steven, she's really cute. We got to hide. <laughs> so, I mean, like from there, it took us all the way until our junior year of college to do anything mm. with the friendship that we made. I mean, we became really, really close friends uh, as we grew up. And then in college, uh, she was one of the people I'd call and talk to for hour, hour and a half, two hours when I just needed a person to talk to. Um, and so it it just made a lot of conversations really simple and easy. And so then when we got together, we were, uh, she was more terrified than me, Mm. you know, breaking out of that friend zones spot and you know, and probably with both families, the first press, there's There's a little little bit bit more, a little bit more eyes every, and you know, the funny thing is, uh, when we got together and it became like uh, pretty, it became official and all that. A lot of people started saying, "You mean they weren't already dating?" <laughs> yeah. Like really? Yeah. I, I heard yeah. that a lot, and yeah. you know, when when we got engaged finally, everyone's like, "They're not already married, huh?" So yeah. it, it's you know, it's kind of funny to think that other people had those opinions, and yet we had no idea. Yeah. We yeah. we look back and we're like, "There no, no thought," and then everyone else is like. Oh, it's obvious. Yeah. It, would, it was obvious that it was going to work out that way. Yeah. So um, crazy things that yeah. the Lord is able to do yeah. um, through and friendships. And she's expecting. Like you said that. Yeah. The, yeah. The, we're the expecting podcast. here okay. uh, in a couple weeks. Okay. Uh, January fourteenth okay. is her due date. Um, his name's going to be Hudson Daniel. Um, we just loved Hudson. Great. Uh, and then Great. Daniel is a is a family name on my side. Well, my family, my name's so, yeah. Daniel, so there you I go. Think a little, you're little, the right, it, yeah, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But yeah, um, so you're a teacher by yeah. profession, and um, and so uh, what grade do you teach? Uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade teacher. Yep, teaching every single subject. Okay, and um, so th- think about that a little bit, and um, what would you say in terms of your um, your calling into teaching? How did that come about? Yeah, that that was really a interesting, um, an interesting life moment for me. Um, both of my parents, two of my three sisters, are attorneys. Mm. Um, it's the Durbin family business, as we as we have a kind of saying around the house, and it's just been weird because growing up, I was like, all right, that's what Durbins do. We go to law school. We uh, we do the attorney job and, you know, we do a good job at it. Mm. Um, I mean, all my, all my family, the, 
attorneys that we have, they all uh, do very well for themselves. And so your dad's done, an attorney? Dad, my dad is a business litigator. Wow. My mom uh, retired very early in her career, um, became a stay-at-home mom, okay. but she was working as a city attorney for uh, for Fresno. Okay. Uh, my oldest sister works as a um, defense attorney for a lot of CPS cases mm-hmm. in Sacramento mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And then the youngest of the three older. Well, you're really right. Oh, Family yeah. business. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, the youngest of the three is an immigration attorney up in Seattle. Okay. So it, it's legitimately, they're, they're all doing, they all did or doing their jobs at a very high level. Um, mm-hmm. and at, and with various degrees of insaneness. Would you say you went to college thinking that was going to be the yeah right? okay. I did I you know I got to I got to the spring of junior year expecting fully expecting mm-hmm. to do law school fully expecting to become an attorney and you know it comes to a point when you're filling out the law school applications that you have to write your personal statement an essay about why do you want to become an attorney and honestly I had two reasons the money and that's what my family does. Mm. And that just sat with me for a while of why why is the, why are those the only two reasons? I can't find any other excitement, any other joy than I'm going to get paid a lot and that's what the Durbins do. So for me, I, I was like, I, I can't do it. Mm. I, I don't have this motivation. I didn't score super well on the law school entrance exam, the LSAT. Mm. And so it wasn't like I was going to go to Harvard Law or Stanford Law or whatever, what name you, uh, school. But, you know, I <clears throat> I couldn't figure out my reason why. And so uh, I didn't do anything with it. I stopped. And, like, that was a long conversation with my dad because he's like, hey, you started this. Uh, you should see this through. No matter what you decide, you should see this through at least. Um and I, and I just explained to him, I, I can't do something that I, I can't say why I'm doing it. There's no motivation behind that. And, and then it's going to, if I f- went through with it, I'm just going to be hollow. Interesting uh, that for, from kind of the college to me, seems like it was very, so yeah. the relationship with Kayleen kind of <clears> kicked <throat> up. Yeah. Your faith kind of really comes together and now you're going through a, a career yeah. on my a yeah, crisis, yeah, right? right at the beginning of yeah, so my adult really, life. Really yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a yeah, thing. and so from from all that craziness, yeah. um, I had no idea what to do with myself. And Kayleen's family is a large majority of teachers. They are. You're right. So yeah. uh, they're like, "Well, why don't you just go take your C best, go get your substitute uh, permit, and just sub? It's decent pay." You can work when you want to. You can choose everything. You can choose where you go. Um, and just see how that takes you. See, just get started. And I was like, that that's fair. I, I need income. I can't sit on my rear end at my parents' <laughs> house, you know, living off of uh, the groceries they yeah. provide. So I started that process. And the first couple days that I subbed, I did uh, seventh grade history. And... I went to school for a history degree. I loved it. Uh, mm. To this day, still love history uh, with a passion. Um, and I got into those classes, and it was awful. Mm. It was probably two of the worst days <laughs> I have ever experienced as a professional educator now. Because I walk in, 
expecting the kids to, hey, this is an adult, they're going to f- pay attention, all that. Wow, was I wrong, and I forgot what it was like yeah. to have a substitute walk in the door. I remember as a student what I did to substitute. Yeah, so I was yeah. One of those so, kids. and I mean, I was at, I, I think the first one was at Awani Middle mm. School, and then the next was Wawona, and those days were hard. <laughs> so I, I walked out of that, and I took a solid week, week and a half off going, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? What, like... Great, I made $300 in two days. Is that worth what I just went through? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, so it was a it was So a what trip. changed? What changed from that? I So what happened is I was like, all right, I'm not going to do middle school. Sweared off with, like, cr- everything. And I just went straight to an elementary class. Oh. I, went sh- I, I went to Pyle Elementary next for a sixth grade class. And they were a tough class. But... I could relate to that. I could understand where a lot of those kids were coming from, and I could work through the challenges because I had enough of those kids who still respected an adult, even though they're sixth graders and they think they know everything. They still respected the adult enough to where it wasn't awful. Mm. And what started as a one-day sub job turned into a week-long job. At the in that classroom, and so I started there, just saying, "All right, I'm gonna do the best I can." And every day, I was going, "Wow, this stunk. I did not like this." And then every single day, the next morning, I'd be like, "All right, let's pick up, pick up by our bootstraps, and let's go again." And it's a new day, uh, and that's and that's what I just did. I I did that, and uh, I made it through. And that office staff then said, "Hey, we're gonna put you down as." a sub for all of our teachers to contact because you're a person who's reliable. Mm. I was like, yeah, totally. And then the next week I had a three-day third grade job and that was the greatest thing I mm. ever did. And that that moment was the moment that made me say, I could do this. Mm. It was that third grade classroom at Pyle that, I mean, I, I just loved every single second of it. Mm. They were just such sweet kids. They had, it was just such a fun day. We we watched a couple movies. It was right before their spring break. So we watched a couple movies. Mm. We did some uh, arts and crafts together. I, I even got to teach a couple math lessons. Uh, and it was great. Those kids were awesome. And it and it just made me want to keep coming back because yeah. I, I saw the first glimpse of a kid have that light bulb moment. Mm. You know, when, some, when they finally realize that's what that means. That's what that specific concept at school means. And that moment as a teacher is absolutely the greatest thing I could come. Mm. So going with that a little yeah. bit, and your, the honesty was that is, is great. It was, I mean, it's hard, yeah. but your honesty about you didn't just like wake up and go, "I love being a teacher." No. You kind of had no. That. I, had, I had you have yeah. to go through your your uh, battles. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, that's a that's a good life yeah. lesson that you know, and in, in terms of kind of staying in there. But yeah, um, I d- I would like to kind of explore a little bit about. Well, um, what does a day in the life of a teacher look like? Yeah, you? I mean, because it's a profession that a lot of people it, it is. are a part of, and one yeah, way or another, especially and, here at this church. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's very uh, eye opening to see when we have those before school 
uh, prayer times yeah, and we you hit, see the teachers we, stand yeah, up yeah. and you're like, holy cow, the number of people who are in education here yeah. is insane. Usually annually, Pastor Jeremy or uh, exactly. will ask anybody that's yeah. a teacher or, or an educator yeah, stand some, up. Somebody it, stand up. Powerful. Yeah, it, it is. And so, um, you know, just going through a day in my life uh, every single day, it's, you know, this year is a bit different than in my previous four. Um, and then even within my previous four, uh, I had COVID thrown yeah. in the midst yeah. of that. Like, Actually, my, I, have, I have a question about that. But oh, yeah, yeah we'll get, yeah. okay, we'll get to that yeah. then. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, my, my normal day, it starts, um, my school day starts as a whole. Um, my first bell is 7.45. So I'm the type of person that gets to work very early. I, I like to make sure all my ducks are in a row every morning. So I'm there about 6.50, uh, 6.45-ish. Um, and I'm... I'm there. I'm writing out my schedule, writing it out on the on the whiteboard, uh, making sure I have my copies ready, uh, making sure I, I have an understanding of what is expected for that day, um, for the kids, what is expected of me during some different points of um, of high importance for my school site, um, and so uh, I really just work my way through, make sure uh, my head's on straight, and you know I. I always make sure that uh, one of the last things I do uh, about 740-ish is I just say a quick prayer. Mm. Um, I, and it's always it's always the same thing. What's the prayer? It's, it's always, Lord, today is a new day. Show me what today I am used for. Because mm. uh, I, have, I have 29 kids, and my class has changed a bit uh, even from when uh, Ronnie and I first spoke about doing this in October at Men's Conference. Um, start of the school year, I had 29 as well, but I had uh, one of the hardest kids I've possibly ever had um, to start the school year. Um, a student with many disabilities, uh, behavior plans, uh, and you know all of those things as um, what's called a general education teacher, so a non-special education teacher, um, which my fifth grade class um, is that gen- general education. And so as a gen ed teacher, mm. it is very difficult when I have a student who's going to take a good 85 to 90% of my concentration to handle his outbursts, whatever have you, uh, um, that are manifestations of his disabilities. Then with twenty nine or twenty eight other kids, all of which, mind you, have their own backstories, have their own personal uh, struggles. Um, my class roster at the start of the year, I'd, I have fifteen kids who have been suspended at least once, mm. and so that when I when I say that prayer each morning, it's saying these kids need a person. Mm. Let me be that person. Well, let show me today how I can be that person. So so for someone that maybe <clears throat> doesn't understand the yeah. teaching, what is that? So you say, well, I have 29 kids. So what does that look like? And, and yeah, it, like? so, it... I mean, think of herding 29 uh, sheep into a pen with being one person. Mm. That's that's what elementary teaching and, you know, honestly, even high school teaching, middle school teaching, all is. We, we have enormous class sizes uh, that studies have shown do the opposite mm. of what our school districts, the state, the federal government all expects of us. I mean, there's a reason the United States as a whole is not doing great in education. Mm. Class sizes is going to be one of your number one reasons why. Mm. Um, 
it's it's very tough when you have all those personalities in one room on top of your own then you have to make it mesh and you have to make all of your lessons no matter uh, if you're teaching one subject or all of them, all of your lessons have to be able to meet the needs of 29 individual students, unique students, every single moment. And each coming with a different, different e- background, every, different yes. set of problems. E- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that is probably one of the things, you know, I've heard a lot of people say and kind of quip at teachers, you know, Oh, like get over it. You have all these breaks. You have summer break where you get two months off paid. I I always say I always I don't say it. I'm I'm very polite to people, but I mean <laughs> here on the podcast I'll say it. Yeah. Come into my classroom and show me how you would do that. Mm. Show me how you do twenty nine individual students and provide the best possible lesson that teaches a very specific math, English, science, history standard that the state requires to the best of your ability. And you have to conference with all those parents. Exactly. And, yeah, and we have in uh, in elementary we have 2 yeah. weeks a year where we're uh, expected to meet with parents. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not talking to parents mm. every week, if not every other day. Uh, there's some parents that I legitimately talk to every single day mm. um, for various reasons. And so like you know, I don't mean that to be rude to anybody. Yeah, it's yeah, just like, honest, yeah. it, it's just being like, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a really hard job. And I don't, I don't think some people take that, uh, into consideration when they say things like, Oh, c- like see your, your breaks. You're great. You're fine. Get yeah. over it. Yeah. Like your summer's off. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> COVID comes around and, yeah. um, I would say that, you know, as industries, Teaching probably to me seemed maybe one of the most impacted or yeah. diffi- difficult to pivot. Oh, hundred uh, percent. So to maybe talk about that a little. Yeah, one hundred percent for you. So that the year of the shutdown, twenty twenty, March twenty twenty, was my second full year of teaching. Mm. I had so I I had an awful first year of teaching. I taught sixth grade my first year, and it it was. Think of Awani and Wawona seventh grade te- uh, subbing. That was sixth grade the whole school year, and that was beyond difficult for me. And I, I struggled mightily through that. And then I got switched to fifth grade, which I now am still am at, and I and I love to death now. But that was that year. Um, and when we shut down in March, we're like, oh, it's two weeks. That's what everyone's saying. Two weeks, beat the curve. We'll come back after spring break. We'll be great. We'll be back to normal. Everything's going to be fine. No big deal. That and, and as we all know now, living now in twenty twenty two, the end of it, that obviously did not happen. So for those first two weeks, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Kids just went home. Kids just went home. We no did. Online. We literally did nothing. We there were told. Was, okay. We were even told, do not send anything home. Don't do anything just, with them. Okay. Just let it be. So basically, uh, we had two weeks before spring break, um, and so those two weeks were essentially an extra spring break. And then in Central Unified, where I teach, you get two weeks off for spring break. Yes. Um, so I had four weeks off. I had a whole month <clears throat> without talking to the kids, mm. without doing any school, anything. Um, and then spring break comes, and we have a Zoom meeting with our union and uh, superintendent at the time. And they come on and say, we're not going back. I uh, 
This is, the administration, the administration say, came okay. in just like, yeah. we're not going back. The earliest we might go back is beginning of June. Mm. And this is, mind you, uh, first week of April. Mm. So to say, all right, now you have two months of what am I supposed to do? And they had no idea. Mm. Um, so what, what ultimately was decided is the teachers were to create these uh, paper packets for students. And basically all it was was review work of things that we had already done. I'm not teaching them anything. I'm not doing anything on a computer with them because not everyone has a computer. In my school site, not everyone can afford to have a computer or internet. Mm. So that wasn't even figured it's out. It's kind yet. of amazing to think about this day and age. I, I know. Still, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is crazy because you think, well, most of them have a phone. Yeah, but a phone can only do so much. I mean, yeah. you think of an iPhone, that's a tiny screen to... Yeah. Now you're going to start solving math qu- equations yeah. and yeah. Uh, reading whole essays, writing essays. Yeah. So like, it wasn't until the it, yeah. fall, next fall and early 21 that... Yeah, that's online. when... I, so over the summer, because um, nothing was getting to the point where we were going to come back, uh, and especially with California being as mm. uh, slow to come back as we were... Mm-hmm. Uh, we basically, as a district, threw every single computer that a classroom had and threw it at all, every single student. So every student got a computer to home. Then on top of that, our district bought uh, hotspots for, I think it was 60% of our school district. So 60% of the homes in the district then got a hotspot to mm-hmm. supposedly have good internet mm-hmm. access then to join the next school year. So the next school year started up, we were all on Zoom. Um, luckily, uh, because of the fact that there's no kids in the classrooms, uh, teachers were allowed, if they so chose, to come to the classroom and, mm. and do their Zooms from That's the right. classroom. Yeah, so, you- so, I, so I did that, and I got to utilize all of my resources that I have in my classroom while then trying my best to do a Zoom call, check a chat. Mm. On top of that, I've got kids falling asleep. I've got kids turning off their cameras and, you know, school rule, turn on your cameras. Well, guess what? Zoom doesn't allow you just to do it yourself. Mm. I don't have that control. And so, uh, you know, there were, there were days I, I started off with my, I think I had 33 that school year on my roster. Uh, there were days that I had five kids Mm. actually have their camera on participate. Mm. And you know, I, I, that was. So hard, you felt defeated. I felt, say? I felt awful. Mm. I, I didn't feel like a teacher. I felt like a babysitter. Mm. Mm. Um, and and that was just so degrading to feel because you know the whole point of teaching, and the whole reason many of us get into teaching is to to love on the kids and to help them succeed. Mm. And in those moments, I didn't feel like I was doing any of that. Mm. I was hanging out with five kids and. If they grew on something, hot dog. I, I'm static. Um, and, you know, for the rest, it was, I hope you're okay. Because I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that that's whole school year w- honestly was a waste. Uh, and it, it, really, it really has now shown itself, now this being the second year we're back in the classroom, um, my students this school year, they lost 
it would have been the second half of their second grade, or no, second half of, I think it's second grade yeah. for them, fifth yeah. grade now. Yeah. Uh, so, and then third grade was all distance learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then last year, um, out of no fault of their own, what my uh, one of my colleagues um, went on maternity leave, mm-hmm. but then had um, complications with the pregnancy and the birth and um, and after uh the postpartum stuff. And so she was gone from September until May. And then <clears throat> I get half of her class by chance this school mm-hmm. year. And I basically have kids that haven't truly yeah. had a, a full-time Did teacher. Play a catch up? Yeah, since mm-hmm. beginning of second grade. So yeah. it like all of those years are just, they're at, they add up onto each other. And so the COVID year, I mean, just it hurt in so many ways with teaching. Because we couldn't do a ton of stuff. I mm. couldn't do hands-on activities. Even once hybrid models started, yeah. we couldn't do hands-on. You had Everyone had to have their own stuff. I had to have kids completely separated in my classroom. It it just didn't it didn't work. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because a lot of people, I, including myself, during COVID, I worked in a in a job where, you know, remote work was, it's it was a totally custom. okay and, yeah. and it worked. But yeah. I think a lot of people don't. Uh, maybe necessary understand and appreciate kind of that. Yeah, that, that and piece. and obvi- there there's some teachers who absolutely f- flourish with it. Yeah, there's some kids who flourished with it. <clears throat> I mean, out of out of that whole time, teaching had to go through a revolution mm. of how do we take in the hands-on experience and the paper pencil experience that teaching has been for hundreds of years to now in this technological age that we have that majority of jobs use technology primarily for everything they do. Um, What do you, how do you mesh the two? And that was a moment that teaching decided we have to figure out how to mesh the two. Yeah. Um, So Doug, for you, when, when thinking about this, you know, we talked about kind of your, your call to career, the road you took, um, where do you see when we talk about seeing God's purpose and work? Where does that kind of align for you? Yeah, you know, this has been a, a topic I have really struggled with this school year. Um, like I was saying earlier, the class, you know, the student who had a very large amount of needs, a class of 15 plus kids who have at, been suspended at least once in their schooling time. Mm-hmm. All of those things, it's it's hard. Uh, the day in and day out grind of teaching a class like that is very challenging. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I've had some up and down moments <clears throat> over the first four years of my career um, that have really made it uh, difficult to say is is God working in this? Mm-hmm. Is He is he providing everything for myself, for my family? Um, or am I just too naive to see what he's doing in the midst of it? Um, and so this has been a struggle for me because one of the questions I've continuously been having is, is Steinbeck, the school I teach at, is is Steinbeck the place that I want to plant my flag and say, mm. I want to pour my heart and soul for years at this site with the the various number of challenges we have at our school is this where i want to say i i'm gonna give 
absolutely everything I have and God have your way. And, you know, that, that's been very challenging and it's been a lot of conversations, a lot of, uh, angry conversations Mm. with colleagues, um, with, with God driving home. I, I have a 20 minute commute each way to home. Uh, and so, you know, turn on the worship music and sometimes I don't even realize there's worship music going Mm. because all I am is in my head going, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Why, why do I have this class? Why do I have 29 kids that make my day uh, honestly on some days awful? Mm. Like, why do I put myself through that? And Mm. so I, it's been a massive struggle. And so it's been moments of like, okay, I, I see glimpses of this kid, uh, like my student who needed all the needs. He's now at a different site getting better support from a very small group of kids and teachers, and he's in a place that he can succeed now. Okay, God has his hand in that because mm. I know I'm doing the best I can with him and 28 others. So where do you find where do you find that encouragement or or where do you find that light when 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 you're when yeah you're you know that? it there there's different moments I definitely say I'd find that light and find the positive um, and I and it's still a work in progress I mean um, it's very honest by the way yeah I, I mean honestly I'm still working through this mm-hmm. to this moment like just Friday I my wife and I got news my wife's being laid off at her job at the end mm-hmm. of the school year. Mm-hmm. And that was so hard to take on Friday. I mean, just the fact that my wife is 35 weeks pregnant as of this last Saturday. Um, She has poured her heart and soul into her class. I'm having my own personal struggles at my school site. And then we're thrown this massive wrench Mm -hmm. in the midst of welcoming our our first trying to get ready for the yeah, anxiety. Exactly. And and like and... we just got our for our first house last May. Mm. All of these things. We're like, okay. God, where are you gonna show up in this? How how can I still sit here, sit in church, sit in my car rides and praise you? How can I still see you working? And Lord, like, it's hard. Mm. I was I was yelling at God on Friday, honestly. And you know, the thing that makes me see what God is doing is when I see the growth in my students, when I hear the positive uh, events that go on in my wife's classroom, when I have my growth group here at church who always is there supporting me, my men's Bible study group Saturday mornings that that loves on me even when all I want to do is just give up and mm. scream at God for hours on end. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so with that, I just, you know, it, it's not always obvious. And a lot of the times, I, one of the ways I see God is I look back. And I see, what were you doing? If I look back in that situation, it worked out in this way. Without, without God's presence, without his, um, his guidance, those things probably wouldn't have worked out positively. Do you feel like Doug that it it is a force you to rely on God more? Yeah. This? Because you know, often at church, you're yeah. right. We come and we're kind of we all act like we have it all together. Right. And you're maybe talking to someone who goes, "I love my job," or right. "I have the best job in the world," and you're kind of going, "Oh, 
you know, you want to say something. I, yeah, so. I may or may not want to use a fist in the direction of you. Yes. A thousand percent. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be real. Like, I've been this whole time. I mean, there's moments you'll ask me, hey, how are you doing at work? I'll say it's great because I don't want to talk about it. Because mm. I know that's a quip that will say, that will, for the most part, unless someone is willing to pry, it is going to stop them from asking more. Mm. Um, and so, you know, in the moment where, you know, someone like that is coming, I, I have to remember God has an awesome and perfect plan. And I get to see glimpses of it as it comes. Mm. I don't get to see the big picture. I, I'm a planner. My wife says to a fault, I'm a planner. And so I would love, you know, to see what he has in store, but that's not how he works. That's not how he's going to work. Um, I mean, if he shows me a glimpse of what the future holds, awesome. I'm so excited for it, and I, I can't wait for what he has in store. Mm. But ultimately... I have to just say, I can't do this on my own. And that's been the biggest reason why I have that prayer each morning at about 740. Share the prayer again. Uh, Lord, this, it's a new day. Have, have, your, have your way in me. Because mm. every single day, there are moments that I want to walk out that door and walk out of my classroom and say, I'm done, I give up. But there's something that keeps bringing me back. There's something that puts a smile in my face, lets me be a dork in my classroom, because that's who I am as a teacher. I, I'm a, I love to mess around, but I also have this, you know, we're also here for a job. Mm. Um, and with the kids, they need a person. Mm. They need a light. And... You know, some people don't understand that perspective when I when I talk to them about, yeah, my work is extremely hard. Sometimes it, it makes sense to leave. It looks like I should have left by now. But there's something that just keeps bringing me back. And I, I can't say that's anything, but God has something in store for me in this job, in my classroom, in room 27, where I I don't know what it is yet. But there's something there that I'm I'm there being the best person I can be for these kids. Mm. What words of encouragement could you give to someone <clears throat> who's maybe struggling with their own purpose or their own calling? And, you know, just yeah. you know, given where you are at. Yeah. It, you know, it's – it doesn't stop. Mm. Um, body blows will keep coming your way. Struggles will always come your way. But the thing that is going to triumph all of those is God's ultimate plan and and love for you. And that's been what I have to rely on. Mm. Um, and my wife tells me this all the time. Did you pray about it? Did you take time to say, God, or what do you have for this? And, you know, it just sometimes as hard as it is to think it's, God has a plan for your struggles. He has a plan for your joys, your sorrows, all, all of those things. There's a reason this is all happening. Mm. And sometimes you just need to say, I can't do this without you. One of the central themes of our podcast and is um, where God shows up 
yeah. and doesn't show up. And for some people, it's it's um, yeah. it's very interesting. So, Doug, I appreciate yeah. your honesty. As we close, I'm gonna um, gonna give you um, three words, and I want to I want to get your reaction to each word. So, sure. the first word is hope. You know, the first thing that's coming to my head is God's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with any of us. That's why we're still here. Uh, And, you know, through the situations that you may be struggling, uh, there's God's ultimate hope and promise for you. And joy? Yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I'm thinking right now the the big moment on my life is the in, the upcoming birth of my son, mm. and just how exciting that is, um, and just also thinking of I'm struggling with all this, but I'm still having this ultimate joy for of having my first my firstborn, mm. and I can't wait for that, um, and I'm I'm super excited that um, God has blessed us. Uh, throughout this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's that been the moment I'm thinking to a lot mm-hmm. for my joy. And then the final word is the word shalom. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, his ultimate peace. I, you know, it's, it's what I want to feel one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I don't think will come until uh, it's my time. But I think seeing seeing at what God's done, he's, he's there every step of the way. Mm. Doug, thank you for agreeing to be here and your yeah. honesty. I, one of the um, you know challenges and ups and downs of our faith is that we, yeah. we see God in the good times and the bad times. And, and of course, you, you know, as a church, we'll all be praying for our teachers and yeah. praying for you and Thanks. excited for, for what's ahead. And... Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Okay, appreciate Doug. it. All right, thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. Since the recording of this conversation, we're excited to share that Doug and his wife Kayleen are proud parents of Hudson Durbin, who I'm sure will be well loved by our FBC family. We hope that today's conversation gives you encouragement no matter what stage of life you're in. We're so fortunate to have such a diverse mix of people and stories at FBC and want to thank Doug for sharing his faith journey. May this podcast deepen your faith, deepen our love for one another, and ultimately help us become more like Jesus. Until next time.